Hi, everybody. I'm really excited to introduce today's guest, Ariel Finkelstein. I'm excited because he's been a founder uh, and he's been an investor, he's an advisor, and he's like a go to market uh, strategist and specialist. He really knows how to launch and make a company successful. So, today we're going to be speaking with him about a lot of different variety of things like what the biggest mistake is that he sees founders making, tips and tricks for your go-to-market strategy, and hiring your first salesperson. And while you're here, I wanted to tell you that here at Startup Sales, we're working with a lot of different founders and startup companies on training their salespeople and putting together sales processes. So if this is something that you're interested in and you need help, then feel free to reach out to us and have a have a quick call and discuss and see what options are available to you. You could reach us at startupsales.io, that's startupsales.io, or reach out to me directly. That's adam at startupsales.io. So let's jump into the conversation with Ariel and really get into the nitty gritty of your uh, go-to-market strategy and a lot of other tips and tricks. Startup Sales is a podcast about what it's really like to get a business off the ground. We talk with founders, CEOs, and sales VPs from the high-tech market. You'll learn how to build and scale a sales team. You'll also hear about the growth challenges and tough decisions from others who have had both successes and failures. And now, your host of the Startup Sales Podcast, Adam Springer. Ariel, thanks for joining us today. Pleasure, Adam. So, I mean, you're, you're kind of a legend in, in this whole uh, B2B early stage uh, tech arena as a founder, as an advisor, as an investor. Can you, can you give a little bit of background on, on you? Well, I'm a still entrepreneur. I build uh, companies. Uh, I had uh, the pleasure of uh, uh, helping uh, quite a lot of uh, entrepreneurs build their companies also. I uh, also founded several uh, accelerators here in Israel and uh, uh, followed up with quite a lot of uh, different uh, B2B SaaS companies here. Terrific. So with all this all these companies that you come across, what is the biggest mistake that you see that founders are making as it comes to sales? Okay, there's quite a lot of uh, mistakes. But uh, if you're talking about uh, early stage uh, companies, um, one of the main mistakes I'm seeing is founders getting to the sales part too late which means that uh, a lot of our founders are either te- technical founders and product founders, mainly focusing in the product market fit, much less on the business side and much less on the sales. Uh, they're quite scared of sales. And the main thing uh, is to get as fast as possible to your customer and to get to that situation that you sh- see all the shit in your face as fast as possible. Because that's what you're want to discover and usually when there's no shekel between you and myself i can't trust whatever you say and that's exactly what i want to see i want to see if you're willing to take out your wallet and pay me for the product i'm paying and why the heck you're paying for the product i'm giving you right now uh and i want to understand the real value of my product which is not what i assumed was but what you tell me as a customer what you're willing to pay for and getting to that too late is something that we pay a very, very big price because majority of the startups today are venture-backed companies, okay? And when we raise the seed round, we don't have a lot of time. Usually it's about 18 months till we get to the A round. And if we're wasting our time uh, on things and not getting to the sales and learning as fast as possible, we're going to pay a big price. And that's one of the things that they pay on a very, very big price. Second uh, example of a big mistake, uh, well, I can give you a, it's a company that let's say I spoke about t- today, uh, which uh, uh, I'm helping. And um, the founder asked me, um, I started the sales, he started the sales on the curve. He sold for about two months. Uh, their sales life cycle is about six months altogether. Uh, but he didn't have time to continue the sales uh, cycle and he gave someone else to, to take care of 
all these pipelines. And I said, okay, are you freaking crazy? You don't do that. Uh, and one of the main things that I, I, I encourage any founder, do it by yourself. The first six months when we open up and you go to market, we do it by ourselves, okay? Uh, and if you're not a sales guy, go take someone, do it together with them and be part of it. Because if you think that uh, startup uh, and being a founder and all the innovation is only about product, and then you're in a big, big, big mistake. Okay. Sales learning curve is innovation. Discovering the right go-to-market. We need innovation. We need a real founder to do it. And if you're not into it, you're going to lose your company. You're going to lose your edge. And it's not going to happen. So that's one of the things that I see a lot, that founders just bring someone else to do it for them. And it doesn't work. You pay a very, very big uh, price for that. Um, another thing that uh, uh, is done also uh, incorrectly is that you do not prepare well for it. In a sense, one of the things that you have to do when you, you do these kind of sales is preparing your entire team, uh, both for sales learning curve, which you know, the only word that I care about there is learning, because in the beginning we want to learn, okay? And people think that with our case, KPIs that we have is what is my competitor doing, whatever. That's not important. We want to discover, okay? We want to learn. And if you don't prepare your people, both your management, your employees, your co-founders, uh, your uh, board, uh, you're going to get stuck very, very quickly, okay? After the first month you did your uh, 1,000 MRR, uh, everyone thinks that you need to do much more than the next month because you told them, told them you're selling right now. And the real thing, who freaking cares about how much money I'm doing right now? I care about understanding the entire funnel, which we can dive in after, afterwards, but focusing on numbers, which founders a lot of times don't have those numbers, which is really annoying, and especially in the beginning. If you don't know your entire funnel from beginning till the end, if you're not monitoring it with all the numbers, you're going to get screwed. And majority of the founders just don't do it. They can tell you that um, I've helped over 300 companies, I think, in one of the accelerators uh, I'm involved. Um, and of those, uh, out of those, majority of the companies in the first initial uh, go-to-market, the opening of the go-to-market, majority of them didn't have the right funnel didn't build and didn't have the numbers. And when you sit with a founder who doesn't know his numbers, there's no chance for you to understand and correct it as quick as possible. And that's exactly what we should be doing at that point of time. So sales is numbers. Majority of the thing is you need to understand your numbers ASAP. And if you don't, you're not going to be successful. So when you're talking about uh, the founders needing to know the numbers, which numbers are you uh, talking about? Great. So let's take a step back. So when we look at any business that we're building, we have three different points, okay? Customer acquisition cost, lifetime value, and in the middle, we have the go-to-market. And the aim that we want to get to, the situation that we want to get to, is to have a sustainable and repeatable business. In order to get there, uh, I can start from the customer acquisition cost. I can start understanding it. Lifetime value takes a long time. But the go-to-market is what I'm focusing on. And in the sales learning curve, when we started, I take the go-to-market and divide it into two, okay? It's very much similar uh, to what we do when we open up a startup. When we open up a startup, we think about ideas, okay, that solve real problems, and uh, we have assumptions that are really solving those things, right? And uh, same thing with the go-to-market. And again, we have those assumptions from day one. I think that my business right now is relevant only for enterprises, or I think it's relevant only for SMBs. I'll start from there. I think that it's relevant uh, for enterprises, but I want to start from SMB, grow from bottom to top, uh, do land and expand. There's a lot of different things that I, uh, I have those assumptions. I have assumptions about the persona I'm going to sell to, who's the persona is going to use it, who's going to be the decision maker, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of different assumptions that I have in the beginning. Then on the other side of the go-to-market, I have all the KPIs that I need to monitor. So every business has a different uh, uh, funnel, but you have to freaking know your funnel. If you don't know that, don't waste your time on building a business. So when I think about funnels, okay, at the end of the day, first thing I need to bring my customers in, okay? Uh, where the heck do I bring them in from, okay? In the beginning, you can start from 
everything that you, you can think about, okay? If it's paid acquisition, if it's SEO, if it's email marketing, if it's event, doesn't matter what it is, okay? So, but you can try all those different things, but each and every one of those different things that I do, okay? Uh, I monitor it uh, for the entire funnel, okay? That means both uh, uh, in, uh, uh, if it's a LinkedIn and paid, if it's uh, Facebook, if it's Google, doesn't matter, each and every one of them, but I look for them for the entire funnel, what happens and what goes on there, okay? So uh, the first thing, I want to see how many MQLs I'm creating, okay? Uh, and then the SQLs and then the, uh, the, um, uh, the calls and everything until the end of the funnel, which is uh, closed one or lost uh, in the sales part of it. But then I have also a lot of times I have implementations and I have afterwards uh, the success management and the ongoing, okay, additional penetration, all the rest. I look at that entire funnel and the three things that I have to see within that funnel, okay, especially in the beginning because we need to discover very quickly what are the problems. The three things that we're monitoring is time, okay? How much time does it take me from each and every one of the different steps, okay? I sent out an email marketing, okay? How much time does it take me till I create an MQL? How much time from there into an SQL, into a call, blah, blah, blah. Conversion, um, uh, how much do I convert from each and every one of the different steps? And then cost, okay? The dollar sign. How much does it cost me to bring it? And how much do I do from each and every one of the different things? So if I look at it uh, from my entire funnel, Okay. And I have that. Okay. So I have my funnel. I have each and every one of the different steps. Okay. And think about it. Uh, let's say I have after the sales call, what, what's the next step? Okay. Uh, if I'm selling into enterprise, okay. Uh, I need to have all my different steps. Uh, those companies that don't only have sales things. I, I need to sometimes uh, have deployment calls. I need to have legal. I need to have procurement. Doesn't, doesn't matter what. All those different steps, step by step are in that funnel. And I monitor all those three things. And then if you have that, you can straight away see where you're getting stuck. Where are the issues? Uh, second point, you have to have a very good definition every time it can change. But from beginning, you have a definition. What is an MQL for me? What's an SQL for me? And what are the different uh, steps? When can you move from one step to another? Okay. A second of definition that you have to have is your persona. I'll give you an example. Okay, so one of my companies, uh, um, we thought that the kind of person we are running after um, is an HR guy. Okay, uh, doesn't matter, we won't dive into too much into it, but at the end of the day, in the beginning, you want to have the strongest penetration into accounts and the fastest one and doesn't have to be uh, the one that I'll grow maybe afterwards into a much, much larger. What we discovered was that founders, CTO founders, were the guys that we can, uh, can penetrate the fastest from, hmm. okay? And we discovered very quickly from this funnel. We saw straight away, if I got to that CTO, I was able to close the deal within 21 days, okay, in the ACV that we were looking for and everything, and they stayed with us. The churn was very, very, very low. Um, the other guys, it took us much, much longer. In the beginning, we didn't care about anything because we wanted to see results as fast as possible, and that's what we were running off them. So um, you, if you monitor also the persona, you have a very clear definition of the persona that you're looking for. So persona can include, of course, uh, the geography, uh, how large is the company, who is the person within the company, okay? All uh, the vertical and the running after, blah, 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 all that list, have that clear list for yourself, of course, afterwards for the uh, other people within the company. And that definition has to change. It does change, by the way. Like, like the funnel also changes because the main thing for us is to discover the issues discover the problems and start to reduce time to market and create qualified closed deals for us. And if we see those numbers, then we can really see where we're getting stuck. Okay. And you, you just jump straight away. Uh, the company I mentioned before, um, uh, we looked uh, at our numbers and uh, quite quickly, let's say what we saw that our uh, conversion from uh, SQL into uh, real calls was very, very low in a lot of different cases, okay? Uh, but in the CTO guys, the conversion was very big. And wow. at the beginning, that really was very, very much influential what we were doing. So uh, the numbers just jumps into your face and it's so hard not to see it if you have that. The problem is most of the people just don't have it in the beginning. 
So let's play devil's advocate for a minute. Uh, you know, most, most of the founders here in Israel anyways are, are more technical and they don't have the sales skills and they don't know what an SQL or MQL even is. And I know what they tell me is like, well, I just want to hire somebody uh, to do it. <laughs> and, and I agree with you and your, your history show, proves it that they need to do the sales themselves at the beginning. But what do you say to founders that are like that? Okay, great. So again, it's, uh, it's the 80-20, okay? So there's uh, no 100%. Everyone needs to think by themselves and understand the situation. But I can tell you that first thing, the situation today in Israel is much, much better. Uh, till about 2008, 2009, we only had developers, right? It was very, very hard to find real business people. So uh, today, founders are much, much more knowledgeable and understand quite a lot of those different things. Uh, from my experience, what I can tell you is that uh, a lot of the founders can sell and sell very well by themselves because they know what they're selling. Okay? They understand the product. And a lot of times, even if you're not the, the best sales guy, which you don't need to be in the beginning, you need to be able to communicate well what you're doing. And a lot of times, especially in the beginning, customers love to talk to a, uh, to a founder. They love it. It's a feeling that you're talking to the business owner who really cares about you and you have that kind of influence uh, that things can change and you have the trust. And I can give you a lot of examples in these kind of situations that the best deals are closed in those kind of ways. And uh, founders can learn very quickly. I can tell you my companies, uh, the model that I work in the past five and a half years, I built companies together with very, very strong founders. Okay. And these guys, I have companies that, founders that never sold in their life, okay? But the way I do it, I never sell by myself. I never do those kind of things. I do it together with the founders, okay? Hand by hand, and we do it. And I can tell you the average time to get to and the initial understanding and everything takes about three months, and they really get to it very, very quickly. So a founder, even if he's technical, if you take someone with you, can they can really do it together with you, uh, it can really help, okay? And you have to do that. Uh, but if you're not involved, you're going to get screwed. It's 100% of the cases, okay? Um, you have to be involved. There's not a lot of sales guys that know how to open uh, a go-to-market. And especially when this is your baby and you started it, you have to be involved and help them. You can be like the best sales guy. The majority of the sales guys like to be within that box. Okay, give me that box and I'll sell there. Uh, when we open up a good new go-to-market, there's no box. There's nothing there. Yeah. There's no support, no, uh, no documentation. You need to build those process, processes from zero. Uh, and you, you're both the sales guys, the marketing guy, uh, the success management guy. You're everything together. Uh, the BDR, SDR, who freaking cares? <laughs> you uh, and you discover everything. Um, and one by one, you start building those things. And I like to, to add more and more people. But when I start to understand what's going on, if the founder is 100% doesn't like to sell, doesn't know how to sell, whatever, uh, he should uh, fi find someone very strong in sales and ask a lot of friends, of course, that the guy is really strong, add him in and work together with him. Okay? Don't ever leave it alone, especially for the first half. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> and when you say work it together with him, you mean like have him like as an advisor or actually like as a, as a member of the team and member of the team. I like to have that. You can also have a dive. I love advisors. It's very good. But at the end of the day, when I build my companies, I need someone with me. I need someone hand to hand. And especially if I don't know how to do it. Uh, and uh, I always like to have stronger people than myself, smarter, but people that I can work with. I can, and that's something which is very, very important. But advisors have a limit and it's very, very uh, important to understand. It's a limited time. But when you do sales and you want to do it and we need to succeed, we just don't have time also. You need to be available. I, 100%. And in Israel, we're selling to the States a lot of times. Uh, our hours are 3 o'clock till 12 o'clock at night or even more Eastern and Western time. Um, advisors are not really working with us at those times. And I, I need someone with me uh, selling to those customers at that point in time. It's very, very important. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you said something um, uh, prior, I think it was number two, about 
the numbers uh, that we're talking about numbers. Now, the investors want specific numbers and the, rea- the business needs another set of numbers. As far as profit, you said you don't care if it, once you reach $1,000, you don't care if you increase that the next month or not. How, how does a founder deal with that with the, the push from the investors and the push for survival and, and advice from yourself and things like that? Okay, so uh, I'll divide it into several points. Uh, the, when I said about, before about the $1,000, it's about open up a new go-to-market and doing the sales learning curve in the right way. Uh, at that point, when you look at the sales learning curve, uh, the way it's done is focusing on learning, focusing on building the right method also of learning. And at that point of time, the main thing for me is to get that funnel correct, starting to see my numbers there and starting to see where are the issues. Because at the end of the day, if I only focus on the end game, on just getting another shekel in, it's not going to help me. What I care about is reducing time to market and getting to a situation that I can get numbers that I need to get from my customers in a sense that the ACV that I'm looking for is uh, is a normal ACV, which is very relevant also to the sales life, life cycle I have. A lot of times, I'm, uh, my sales life cycle is between three to six months, but my ACV is 1,000 shekels uh, or $1,000, okay, uh, AR, and it's irrelevant. Okay, or uh, I'm saying I want to sell MRR because nobody's going to pay for me MRR. Okay, uh, ARR, and um, and my sales life cycle is nine months, and I don't do that. If I work with you nine months, I'm going to get from you ARR, and you're going to pay for it. Okay, no chance I'm going to stop you, you with MRR. Okay, um, and that's exactly the kind of things that when you do sales learning curve, you start learning exactly, starting focusing on on that. And if you're not focused on that, you are focused on it, just, just making money, you're not really uh, going to work on uh, uh, reducing uh, your time to market and improving your sales uh, skills there. Um, so that's something that you have to, uh, to work on. And do. now coming back to the investors and everything. So when we do sales learning curve, I prepare my board, I prepare my investors and everything. But... Uh, and then teach everyone that right now we're going to do learning and it's going to take us this amount of time. And then I'm going to show the results and see how we really improve. But the other thing is, we're, then I'm talking about venture-backed companies. When I, uh, in Israel, it's about average of $1 million seed round, okay? That's for 18 months, okay? And let's say I raised right now in January $1 million uh, and I have 18 months. That means that I have 12 months to get to the KPIs, okay, that will allow me uh, to get to my A round, and then another six months to raise that money. Now, can I get to those KPIs, yes or no? And that's something that we're running after each and every one of different rounds. Now, a lot of times, the main problem with founders is they just don't plan. And planning for the A round should be before I, uh, I take the seed round. Majority of the founders and majority of the investors and first-time boards okay, of a seed round is that the planning sucks. It's irrelevant. There's no chance for you to get to an A round. And it's just from beginning built uh, in order to not succeed. A lot of time. Okay? And that's the real problem. Now, uh, the thing is, is can I really get to, to um, a qualified A round? Uh, with the money that I'm raising right now? That's a very, very important uh, question that both you and the investors have to, uh, to ask yourself. And if the answer is no, you need to debate it before they put their money and you need to see that well, what you're doing and not after a year and discover, ah, I didn't get to my KPIs, no chance for me to raise money. And then you go walk to them, guys, can you give me a little bit more money? <laughs> Why the heck did you take the money in the beginning? Because you invested 30% of your uh, uh, chunk, okay, and you gave that to these investors because you believed that you gave that 30% that when you took $1 million in order to take a company that is valued right now at three, $3 million and take it to $25 million in, in the year and a half. And that's why you gave those 30%. But now you're coming there and saying, guys, give me a little bit more money, and they're screwing you because you didn't get to where you, you needed to get to. Yeah. And that's really not how you should be building your companies, especially if you're venture. 
Interesting. <clears throat> okay, so let's let's take a, a jump forward and talk about uh, companies that have gotten their go-to-market uh, pretty much all settled, and they are ready to bring in uh, a salesperson or people. What should the company start doing in order to build that team? Great. So uh, usually when I start taking those guys, it's not when I discover my go-to-market. It takes much, much longer, by the way, um, in order to understand the go-to-market. Um, and uh, I, I bring them in quite early stage, okay? But after I discover, okay, I have initial understanding, uh, have a little bit uh, pipeline, I have uh, customers already in, uh, a little bit case studies maybe, uh, but it's very, very early days. I don't know what kind of commission to give because I really don't know how much money I'm going to make out of these uh, guys. I don't know if they can really create the, the leads that I'm uh, trying to, to create, but there's a lot of different question marks. So it really depends on the go-to-market I'm in. Okay? So again, if, if we're in no-touch sales, it's a whole different business, so we're not talking about that. But if we're talking about B2B guys, okay? from SMB into middle of an enterprise, okay? so in each and every one of them, it has... Uh, uh, it, works a little bit different, I would say. Okay, from 100% enterprise sales. Okay, and enterprise for me is a longer uh, life cycle with a much higher uh, ACV. Um, the, the guys are usually much more expensive. My uh, There's a lot of money for me to put at the table. And the first thing I need to see that I really raised enough money to go into that go-to-market. Um, and when I bring them in, a lot of the times, a good sales guy in enterprise uh, will need to know that I have uh, the surrounding in order to uh, give him the backing, okay? Uh, from uh, legal security stuff to, uh, to procurement, but also into professional services that I need a good counterpart that uh, can work together with me there. Um, in SMB, they need to know that you have uh, enough leads for them, okay? There's many, many different questions. So... The kind of guy that I'm looking at the beginning is a guy that doesn't ask those questions. He's more of a founder guy. You guys understand, okay, everything is shitty right now. Everything is not going to work right now. <laughs> I don't know anything right now. And we're building. I'm coming to build together with you, and I'm going to eat the shit together with you, and I'm going to enjoy it. I'm not going to ask bullshit questions, and you won't need to do psychology on me. Oh, it's okay. The company is not going to get ruined, all those kind of different problems. He's a guy who's going to run together with you and he's going to succeed together with you and he's the guy that not 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 always he will know how to solve the problem know as you the processes maybe but he's a pusher he's a pusher and he doesn't give a shit what's not there or it's not there he's going to sell but he's also communicative in the sense that the right guy in the beginning is a guy that can bring back the data Okay. If a sales guy, even if he sells very well, a lot of the time, especially in the beginning, I need to get the data. What's working well? What's not working well? What is the value that your customer is willing to pay for? What's not? Uh, all those different things have to come back both into the product uh, and development and also into the success management. Of course, also back into marketing. Okay, So what's working? What's on the set skills? Sucks. Uh, why? Okay, uh, But in a real serious discussion, not bullshit, it's not good. Um, and in a sense, and in a sense, really discovering and coming with answers, not with the bullshit. Okay, this is not working for me, but I think this can work for me. And why? Because I'm hearing this and this and this. Okay, and you have all the different tools that you have, and you can say, okay, this is why I think this is working or not. And he's very transparent on a timely manner to everyone within the company. Okay, and he's not a loner that okay doesn't give a shit about anyone else. Okay. Um, and that's something which is very crucial for you in the early stages, because if you don't have a, that, uh, you're going to have a lot of headache with these guys. <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, the, my old, uh, VP sales when I was at uh, similar web, he, he describes me, he says, you're, you're the perfect kind of person for startups because you're a cowboy. You, you go out there, you get it done. You don't care to fall in the mud. You just do it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I understand. That's exactly what we need. We need, and again, it's it's such a crucial time. Again, it's only twelve months. Yeah. And we need to get to numbers. 
Um, and if we need to get into the bullshit of psychology, sitting with uh, every sales guy, uh, crying on this and that, that's not working, I'm not getting leads, I'm not, go freaking solve it, okay? Get us the leads. <laughs> I don't care what it is. Uh, and, uh, oh, they're not implementing in time. Okay, just get it done. Uh, and there's a lot of ways, by the way, if, if you have a good guy together with you, he'll be a solver, not a problem whiner. Yeah. Definitely. How do you, uh, are you involved at all in the interview process when bringing in the, uh, the first salesperson? Uh, sometimes really depending, uh, on my company. So, um, um, it's not only about the first salesperson. I'll give an example right now. I have one of my companies, uh, we're opening up and you go to Marco Cruz's enterprise. Um, and I'm very much involved also in opening up new more, uh, go to market. So when you open up and you go to market, it's the same thing like we just spoke till now. Um, and I'm very much involved in those kind of situation. Um, I, uh, it's, it's a very crucial uh, uh, stage for a company. Uh, so I try to be, not always, really depending on the companies where, where I am. Okay. What do you look for when you are involved? Or is it only uh, references? Um, it's not only references. Of course, references is, is nice, especially in Israel with one phone call, I know everything about you. So it's very, very easy. Um, in, let's say in the States, they look much better than us usually. They talk <laughs> much than us. Um, and Israelis do too many mistakes. You know, maybe we'll touch that part for the Israeli guys. So majority of the Israeli guys, that when we move to the States, it's in a situation that usually it's, uh, we're already um, after the seed round in the A round and above. Um, we have a go-to-market. We're really selling. A lot of times we have an SMB team here in Israel selling online, uh, but we're going to open up the mid-level or enterprise in the States and move there. And our investors sometimes are already American, and they tell us, listen, hey, you have this great VP sales or you have this great CMO, whatever. He, he'll do it for you or whatever. Um, and a lot of times they just, they hear them and they don't really get involved in, uh, uh, really into depth. And that's one of the big mistakes. See a lot of companies losing a lot of time, which is much more important than money, by the way, um, on these guys, especially in enterprise, by the way, it takes you about half a year to discover for uh, an Israeli. And then they say, ah, this guy didn't do anything. Uh, although everyone promised me that he will do. So first thing they have, you have to be very, very much involved in those things, as, as I mentioned before. But um, uh, with the American, uh, I would say, culture, if you don't really understand it, if you don't understand uh, the way that they work, uh, the way, uh, what the kind of things you should be checking, you're going to get screwed. So uh, there's a lot of help today, by the way, between the founders. There's much more that's in the community today. In New York is much, much bigger uh, in, in between the found Israeli founders. Uh, sit down together and just talk to a lot of the founders uh, there in order to learn from their mistakes and have someone that really knows those kind of things very, very well that can walk you through it because otherwise you're going to pay a very big uh, price. Um, so references to your question, references are important, but that's just not good enough, okay? Um, first thing I would say, maybe we'll jump in it, because I think putting aside that, I think one of the main problems is not that. One of the main problems is the Israelis are too nice. They're a family. We're not a company. Um, and fucking bullshit, okay? Well, yeah, we should be very nice and we should take care of everything and blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, we're here to make money and we're here uh, uh, to succeed. And the main problem that I'm seeing with Israelis, they fire too late, okay? And that means that you need to discover very quickly and be very much uh, understanding what's going on and why things are not working. I'll give you an example. In enterprise, uh, yes, it does take a long time to close a deal, but you can look at the pipeline very quickly, see that it's bullshit, okay? And if things are not moving from step to step to step in a quality way, and you're into it, and you know each and every one that deals, you know that this guy's bullshitting. He's just not doing the job. Okay? He's not able to close those deals. Uh, same thing with anything else that you do uh, in this world. Uh, the main thing is to understand the processes, understand what's going on, understand your customers, and understand what kind of sales guy you have. And if this guy is not your guy, majority of the cases, almost 100% of the founders will tell you, 
they felt it in their kishkas, okay? They felt <laughs> it, okay? They really knew it. But in their head, they decided, I'll give them a little more here, blah, blah. And that's one of the main problems we found is uh, we put it aside. Okay, that's not the most pressing thing right now. Uh, let's let it go a little bit. And after three, four, five months, you just discovered it didn't do it. But you got stuck. You got stuck because you need to go to your board and say, I'm stuck. Yeah. Okay? Don't do that. Discover those things quickly. Discover your mistakes because whoever will tell you you didn't do mistakes in HR, in recruiting, is a fucking bullshitter. We all do mistakes, okay? Take that into consideration. You're going to do those mistakes. Where you are going to be uh, able to influence is correct yourself as fast as possible and learn from those mistakes, okay? And that's what's the real important stuff. Absolutely. I, I've had so many times where, you know, you're... I've I've seen people that need to need to be fired right away, and and the the, the owner of the company is like, no, let's give him another month. Let's try let's try to, a different strategy with him, or let's let's give him a different uh, job position within the company. Maybe that will work. And at the end of the day, you just wasted everybody's time, your money, your time, and you. The end result is the same. <laughs> He's out the door. And especially in the beginning, we just don't have that time. Yeah. It's a luxury we just don't have. Yeah. So let, let's talk about the Israeli or European companies that want to, are trying to target America. Do you find that it's necessary to have a U.S. office at the early stage or have your salesperson in, the, in America? Uh, there's no right or wrong here. It's really depending on the company, okay, um, and what you're doing. Um, maybe I'll, I'll talk about what is easier. Okay, when we open up a new go-to market, it's preferable that everyone sits in the same office, and that means that my sales guy, my marketing guy, my success management guy, my uh, product guy, my developer guy, everyone sits in the same room. Okay, same company, uh, and not being okay. I need the data, the learning to move from one to another, okay? And I very much like the developer to hear the sales calls. A lot of times the developers can come with great solutions to issues that the customer is talking about. And people don't understand that in the beginning, okay? Uh, same thing in success management and deployment stuff. So, uh, but if that's not really running quickly, that's an issue. And especially in early stage startups, I really prefer doing it that way. Um, and uh, uh, when it's not that way, it's for sure much, much harder. I can tell you that in one of my companies, uh, Visible, uh, we uh, opened up our new go-to-market in 2015, and we had a team in New York, um, and it was very, very hard because our team there, we were moving them uh, from one go-to-market, which was very low SMB, into mid-level deals. We needed to teach them on that, how to do it even. Um, we needed to change all our marketing in order to bring the right persona and everything. But all of our pro uh, product, all of our uh, development, and the ma majority of the management was here in Israel. Very, very, very hard. Uh, so one, uh, uh, one thing that we did was that the product person flew to the States quite a bit, at least once, once a month for a week, but usually more, uh, to be there with them. Everything was recorded, so that means on a daily basis, all the calls from success management into sales and everything, and everyone was listening. There was a dump, and everyone could come in and listen to, because before Gong and all the other different plays or whatever, you could just listen to everything and just uh, uh, start uh, uh, learning from it, and everyone needed to, to listen to it. Uh, so you can overcome those things, but it's much, much harder. Coming to your question about the market, uh, so that comes to a whole different uh, question about the go-to market, okay? Uh, what am I selling, okay? If it's uh, no-touch sales, usually I'll be selling all around the globe, and I don't really care, right? Uh, in B2B, um, and especially in the beginning, we're looking for successful penetration into the market, okay? Uh, and there are sometimes that the U.S. is not the right market. Sometimes it is, okay? So sometimes it's a red ocean in the States, but uh, the Americans are still stuck in the States because they're uh, very snobbish. They have a big market. We're Israelis. Our market is nothing. Um, and uh, uh, it's a good time for us to go and penetrate into other uh, markets which are still not there and uh, take it away from the Americans. 
So uh, it could be Europe, could be Australia, could be quite a lot of different uh, places that I can go and penetrate uh, before them. So it's not, there's no right or wrong. Uh, every startup needs to think, well, when is the right time to do it? Because I'll give you an example. Sometimes people do it too early. You started to open up your go-to-market, you spent already six to nine or even 12 months uh, building it. And now your board tells you, listen, why the heck aren't you in the States? But you don't have a partner that can manage the Israeli uh, office. Uh, you don't have a COO here or someone else or GM that can uh, be instead of you. Um, and you don't have still a clear go-to-market and uh, a real strong team that can manage it by, by themselves. And this is the this team that is right now you're going to leave is a team that needs to get you to the KPIs for the next round. And your next round is in nine months from now and you get screwed because of it. So you can you really need to see and look at exactly where, what's your situation and build yourself for that move because that move is a strategic move that's not an easy move. Okay? Do I move to the States? And if yes, do I move to New York or San Francisco and other locations? And how do I manage my company from there? Uh, it's, there's a lot of, lot of different issues there and it's not an easy step to take. And if you don't uh, build your teams, uh, your managers I mean, uh, and your partners for it, you're not going to be successful. Yeah. I want to go back to what you said about, uh, like a daily review, having recording your phone calls and having everybody listen. Uh, I can't remember who it was. I had somebody on my, on my show uh, previously and they talked about this, that they would Every day for an hour at the early stage, they would have everybody, all the developers, all the product, all, everybody, for one hour every day, listen to uh, calls that were recorded uh, with the prospect. Uh, do you think that's too much or too little? Um, well, I think that's something that has to be done. How much? Again, every company, uh, you, can, you can look at uh, what they have. But I think it's not about the amount. I think it's about doing it on a daily basis, especially in the beginning, doing it everyone that does it. Um, I usually uh, recommend doing I do it on the train, by the way. I, I, I commute by train, um, but you're driving in a car, you can listen to it in the car. Uh, everyone can do it in, in, in a time that is uh, convenient for them. But the main thing is, and one of the things that I see also, that people are not listening to the entire set of funnels. So I like to listen both to the sales calls, but for different sales calls also, because we have different sales calls uh, uh, in, in the funnel, and also for professional services, success management calls, uh, which are both deployments, but also uh, um, uh, situations of... Uh, uh, upgrades or downgrades or, uh, you know, refunds or all those kind of discussions that yeah. we have in the entire funnel. So what I really uh, emphasize with everyone that listen to everything. Okay. Um, let's say one of uh, my companies had a very big issue with churn and also refunds. Um, and uh, a lot of the different calls raised uh, several different issues that the solution for them came from the developers because they were listening into the issues. Mm. And it was like this it quickly it was a solution that we were developed within a week. Okay. Wow. But that was uh, influencing on taking, uh, I think it was reducing um, uh, um, the, um, it wasn't on the churn, but they were reducing about from 14% refund request to, to 3% within a week's work. Wow. That's, That's a huge. lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> so listen to the phone calls. <laughs> yeah. Good. I had a follow-up question to that tonight. Now it's uh, skipped my mind. <laughs> well, it's too late at night right now, and it's really, it's okay. <laughs> it's uh, what time? It's ten o'clock now. All right. Um, Don't worry. Next time we're going to do it on whiskey. Yeah, there we go. We'll do it. We'll go face to face, and we'll be at the bar. <laughs> that sounds good to me. All right, and um, so. Ariel, uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show and, and sharing your insights. There's, there's so much more that we could uh, pick your brain about. I'm sure we could fill uh, probably a, a easily a few hours uh, uh, episode. We'll play John Whiskey next time. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Is there a way for people to reach out to you if they have questions? Yeah, with pleasure. Anyone uh, that wants can connect to me on LinkedIn, Ariel Finkelstein, and I'll be happy to communicate through there. Great. Ariel, thank you. Thank you very much. 
Thanks for listening to Startup Sales with Adam Springer. Subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Contact Adam about speaking engagements or consulting services at adam at startupsales.io. All right, Aria, let's uh, finish things up with the final five. What is your favorite sales or leadership book? Um, I don't like books in sales. I like people. I like sitting down. There's a lot of uh, very, very interesting people, by the way. Uh, And the most learning that I've done in it is sitting down with real professionals uh, that were uh, knowledgeable, but also open to, to teach. And that's one of the things that is hard because a lot of people that maybe are knowledgeable, but not open to give. And, uh, but if you find those guys, that's the best thing to, to learn from. I prefer that on any book that you'll get to read. Excellent. I, uh, I have to say on a, on a side note that you are one of those people that are very knowledgeable and very teachable. Uh, you know, in preparing for this meeting and everything, I, I've also talked to some other people about you and they, everybody has said the same thing, that you're amazing, that you're so willing to help. So uh, I know the community appreciates it. Thank you. Uh, so that is my next question, though. Uh, do you have somebody that you follow uh, for, for sales or leadership advice, like uh, the, the top person or the top people? Um, no, I don't. Um, I wouldn't say they have top people. I, I, well, less to sell more in business. There's a lot of people that I very much uh, appreciate um, and I communicate, but uh, I can tell you that I have partners or people that I uh, get their advice, but usually it'll be each and every one of them has his own uh, domain, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and for each domain that I look into, I have friends that they're really very, very strong in those uh, locations. So I can tell one of the more knowledgeable people in our industry uh, who's a good friend is Glenn Fogel. Uh, Glenn is today the CEO of uh, Priceline of Booking. Um, and they changed their name right now in the Booking one percent. He's one of the more knowledgeable people that I know uh, in our industry. But more important, he's a real man. He's a very, very good person that is willing and knows how to both to help, but uh, to give the best advice that I've uh, received. Excellent. All right. Are you available 24-7 or do you have time boundaries? Um, well, I'm religious. So, and one of the main reasons I'm religious is in order to have time with the family. Um, and sorry, God, uh, but, uh, I have four kids. I have a beautiful wife that I don't know how, but she, she lives with me. Um, and, uh, so we have the Shabbat. I don't touch it. No computers, no phones, nothing. Uh, that's 100% of my time is to the family. Um, we do dinners almost every night. Nobody's allowed to, to touch any electricity around or whatever. Uh, no computers again, no laptops or uh, 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 phones. Um, and we take at least once a month, we go on vacation, but not a snobbish vacation. Uh, it's a hiking vacation. That means uh, going hiking uh, around the country. Um, and, uh, once a year I take a long vacation with the family. It's always with the entire family, my wife and the kids. Uh, uh, I think that one of the main things is we work very, very hard and that time is very special uh, to be together. Terrific. Yeah. So I also, uh, as soon as I got married, my wife keeps Shabbat. So I started keeping Shabbat with her and it's really been one of the best, best things for my sanity that, uh, that has ever happened. I can advise it to any founder and uh, family for me is much more important than anything else. Um, That's what we're and, doing it for. <laughs> exactly. And, but we forget it's very easy to forget it. Yeah. All right. What is your favorite tool used for sales? Well, favorite, uh, I, uh, well, my tongue, um, uh, that's, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, tools, well, uh, what's my least favorite tool? Right now, it's if we're using Zoom. Um, and uh, one of the main challenges, I would say, with all these systems, they always get stuck in some way. 
uh, with customers. So this issue is a, is a very big issue for me. Uh, but I can tell you that there are systems like Gong, which I like uh, very much, that enable me to, to monitor and uh, start uh, learning. Uh, each system uh, helps, uh, um, again, both uh, from the marketing level, by the way, uh, a lot of my companies were using a HubSpot, let's say, and all those kind of things. But at the end of the day, um, the, the main thing uh, that, that I do like, I sit uh, within the sales teams. So I sit within my companies. I, I don't have, I do have my own office, but it's a home office. But I sit within my companies and I sit within the teams. Um, and I think one of the main tools uh, there is really listening and feeling the teams. And one of the main things that I see with founders is that they're, they're not using that tool, which is there. And that tool is uh, not only being human, you know, yeah, those employees, <laughs> but professional and sitting together with them. And a lot of times, take your time, go, go sit with them. Go sit within your team and also blend the teams, okay? If it's the SDRs, BDRs, account executive success management, if they're sitting not together, don't really know what the other team is doing, a lot of times it's just not working well. And using that tool of your office space in the right way can really help you uh, solve quite a lot of different issues and get your teams much stronger. Great. That's a... A lot different of an answer. Most people are like Salesforce gong. <laughs> so it's good. And I like your initial reaction is your tongue. You're the first salesperson or anybody that's been on the show talking about sales that said, hey, your voice. <laughs> all right. Last question. Uh, what one piece of advice do you have for all the founders out there? Uh, think very, very well before you want to be a founder and be sure that that's what you want to do. Um, if you're not 100% into this, you're not 100% going to be committed, it's going to be a very, very horrific trip, uh, trip for you. If you are and you're a real dedicated person for it and you and your family are ready for it, you're going to enjoy the ride, although the ups and downs. Uh, just prepare well. Uh, find the right co-founders, which is a very, very hard task to do. People that will run with you uh, as long as possible. Um, and build a team uh, that will surround you and support you. Don't be a person that uh, is a, a micromanager, but be a person that is not afraid to bring much, much stronger people than yourself and work with them well. Ariel, thank you very much for joining us. But hopefully it was good. <laughs> it's, it's good. Thank you again for Thanks. joining us. Thank you very much. All right.